Producer Michael Miracle here, and before we get into today's podcast, I'd like to quickly invite you to join the I Work For Him Nation. Being a part of the nation is all about being Jesus in your workplace, because you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. So, head to our website, iworkforhim.com, and click on the nation flag, then prayerfully consider joining the nation. We'd love for you to join us in this workplace movement. Thanks again for listening. Here's today's podcast. Good afternoon. This is Mark Graham filling in for Jim Brandenburg. We're excited to have you here today with us on the show on Faith Talk 570 and 910. This is going to be a great day. Uh, My guest today is Jim Howard. He happens to be a personal friend of mine and also a participant in the uh, Christian Businessmen's Connection Peer Advisory Group that, uh, that we run right here in Tampa. We've become very close, and he has a great organization doing something that's super important, and uh, we're excited to share that with you today. His, uh, his ministry, and it is a ministry, so we talk about workplace ministry all the time. He is right in the middle of it, and his company is called uh, Trinity Security, Security. Allies. And uh, I know that name well. I was just wanting to go nice and slow so everybody could hear it good. It's Trinity Security Allies. Jim's the executive director, and it's uh, his business, but it's also a nonprofit business also. And we're very excited to have you here, Jim. And I thought we'd start out with you just kind of sharing your story, how this even came about. I mean, here you are, a, a law enforcement type of guy, and next thing we know, you're heavily involved in church safety. And that's really the topic we're here to talk about today is church safety. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how uh, your your walk with your faith has brought you into workplace ministry and how you're being led of the Lord to do exactly what you do today. Well, Mark, thanks for having me today. I mean, I really appreciate it. And I always enjoy uh, getting out and being able to talk about where we are at today. And this really didn't start Two years ago, two years ago, we formed Trinity Security Allies. Two years ago, we, we, October is our anniversary. We've been going for two years. But this really started back in 1970, and a little background behind it. Um, my dad was, uh, I lived in Texas. I grew up in Texas, uh, oldest of four boys. And at 15 years old, my parents really started to have issues. My dad was a very violent person and believed in, uh, you know, strict punishment if you did something wrong. But it got to the point now that where he was really taking it out on my mom. And so my parents separated, and uh, we, we went to the church. I was saved at a, a very young age. And uh, we, my parents went to the church and sought counsel. And they, uh, one of the elders, uh, who was also a doctor in the town, this little small town that we lived in, uh, started to counsel my parents and in the boys' eyes, we were kind of hoping that everything would go back together and, and uh, you know, we'd be a family again. But my mother had came, uh, she had come and got us and, and took us to live with the doctor who, the deacon, who had was married and had eight kids of his own. But during this time frame, we were trying to work things out. Uh, we went to a small church. It was a small Baptist church. And that was back in the days where you went in the morning, then you came back at night. And so on a Sunday night in September 1970, uh, all of us were there at church. And after the church service was over with, um, my mother and I left. Uh, She told me she wasn't feeling well, so we we got in the car and left. And 20 minutes later, uh, we received a phone call that uh, my dad had walked out uh, into the parking lot of the church and confronted the deacon that was helping him out and had shot and killed him. So at that point, my mom had relatives in Pensacola, Florida. So we ended up moving from Texas to Florida. And I really got angry at God. I just couldn't understand why he would let something like this happen. I mean, being a Christian, I thought 
that I was living a good life and that he protected us and kept us safe and all these things like this. And not only did he really took my dad from me because my dad ended up going into jail, but he also took the the deacon who was one of our kind of one of uh, he he was involved in the RA's role ambassadors, and so he he was really somebody I looked up to, and it helped me in my Christian walk. So here I am, I've lost both uh, uh, fathers, and when people would try to console me, they would say, "Well, you know, your heavenly Father is this loving Father that He'll take care of you." But when I would hear those things, I would think to myself, but the only father I have to compare it to was my father, who was a very violent person. So um, I really walked away from God, and that was at uh, 16 years old, and just was like, didn't even want to hear about it anymore. Um, Through other things that had happened in my life, I ended up joining the police department in Norfolk, Virginia, and was there for 26 years. And the whole time that I was there, uh, I was very successful, uh, uh, got up, went up the ranks, made sergeant, kind of stopped there, didn't want to go any further, but had a really good career with the police department. But the whole time, I would have friends of mine that would come to me and want to talk about Christ. And then, of course, during this time, uh, Christ was like this blonde-haired, uh, uh, blue-eyed guy that sang falsetto. And, you know, it was kind of a kumbaya type environment. And I was a really, you know, in the police work and working the streets and things like that and just didn't understand where Christianity would fit in. In fact, I started looking at Christianity as a crutch. You know, people who can't handle their lives, they turn to things like God and things like that. And my, my, uh, my escape was physical fitness, running and doing things like that. And I got to the point to where I started really going after guys that were on the department that claimed to be Christians. I, I would really like, you know, kind of watch them. And when they would do something, I would say, oh, you hypocrite, look at you, what you've just done. But during that time frame, I was going through relationships and couldn't keep one. And after my second marriage, got married again and still was doing stupid things that was causing my third wife to really talk about, you know, not us, not it's not working out. And then we had a child. So with the first child, I then realized what a loving father was all about, because this child, when I held it in my hands, uh, I would have done anything for it. I'd have died for it. And so it still was not going the right way and it ended up that, uh, I thought I was going to lose Wendy and Jessica, our firstborn. And so, um, I started thinking about it again. What, what could I do to change? You know, what, what could I do? So we ended up moving to Trinity, Florida. I got a job down here working for a, a public safety software company. And the, uh, we, where we moved in, a guy walked across the street and said, Hey, do you go to church? And I said, well, I used to when I was young. And he says, well, come, come to this church. I think you'll like it. So I ended up going to church and um, uh, gave my life back over to Christ and, and started doing that walk, but I wanted to serve. And so I kind of bounced around into some different ministries, worked with uh, creative arts, and that, that, you know, it just it got complicated. It used to be real easy at one time, and then soundboards came, came about. And then I started, uh, my wife asked me to help with the children's ministry. I didn't, I didn't make it there. I couldn't tase the ones that wouldn't listen to me. So <laughs> I... Uh, you know, I was really searching and praying for what he wanted me to do. I wasn't a good uh, greeter because if you didn't say hello to me after I said hello to you, I'd kind of go, well, what's your problem? And so <laughs> there was just these different things I was going back and forth, and we had bought some property. We, our church was located in Pinellas County, and we had bought some property in Pasco County, and they started doing a fundraiser to raise money for the building. And they came to me and asked me to be uh, a safety, uh, security, like to make sure the money got from one place to the next. And when that happened, I really started to realize that God had a plan for me. 
and I just needed to pay attention, and he would show me what it was. So uh, we had a situation where we had a guy that came in that ended up being arrested for murder that was coming to our church, and we had an altercation with him during the same week that he had, he had uh, committed this crime. And so the church really started realizing that it was more than just guarding the money. And 9-11 had happened, and, and um, you know, we realized that churches were soft targets, so the church kind of came to me then at that point and said, okay, let's look at this. So at that point in time, we started doing training, and it got to the point to where I was doing police work and training and not having the time for my family. And my wife kind of stepped in one night after I'd come back from North Carolina to do some training. And she said, um, she said, you need to make a choice. And she said, you know, you can either do police work or do, you know, the, the church safety stuff. And, of course, there wasn't any question. I said, let's do that. And so that was October 2015, and we started Trinity Security Allies. So um, God has blessed us. Uh, we've been we've been going strong. Uh, I I find out that I don't have any time. You know, like I think, well, I'm not. I don't have anything planned today. And then He tells me, I need you to go talk here. So it's been really exciting. And uh, uh, we just got finished doing our first conference, our first serious conference, where we had over 150 people. We're, we're still counting, but it was close to over 150, and we had 40 churches. So we're really excited where we're at and where we're going. And um, well, in the next segment, we're going to really dig into what it is that you actually do with the churches. But just, I'm curious, how many churches have you actually already been in where you've done training for them? I've been into over 35 churches, at least 35 churches. Now, when we go to these churches, a lot of times there may be other churches inside. When we look at the count, it's around 50 churches that we've touched since we got started. And when we first got started, we uh, we were uh, we had just like had 10 churches and you know 10 members so well that's kind of how it goes but it's amazing what has happened to you and being as close as i have to you for the last year uh i see nothing but great things happening but and i'm with jim howard my friend and the executive director of trinity security allies it's a mouthful i know uh, it's really neat to be with you today especially well, after having witnessed your uh your seminar event that you had yesterday that it was some of the fastest five hours I've been through. It was more than that. It went from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. and it went quick. It did. So yeah. why, why don't you take a little bit of time and kind of take us through the process. How does this typically happen where you get introduced to a church and then you go in and do certain things and then how do you train these people up to do what they need to do to protect themselves? Well, we have a Facebook page. Uh, go out and like us, please. Trinity Security Allies dot, uh, on Facebook. And um, we also have a website, but we started just posting things on Facebook really more than anything else. Uh, it, it's really a powerful tool when you use it the right way. And churches started to contact us through that. A lot of it's word, uh, by word of mouth. Um, uh, this conference, we made calls. We have, a, we have a network. We'll talk about that in a little while. But we have a network that we have around 180 um, different team members on security, uh, safety teams and uh, we put out, we shoot out emails, and they go around and talk to people, and they help us out. So it's mostly word of mouth right at this moment in time where, where somebody can contact us. And you can go to our website at trinitysecurityallies.com, or you can call me. My telephone number is 727-267-0590. But what we do, and we don't care about the size of the church, the church that uh, I'm at, Generations Christian Church, which is out in Trinity, and we have a membership of around 2,500 people. 
And on any given Sunday, we have probably close to 1,500 people coming in and out. Uh, we have four different services. We have one on Saturday and, and three on Sunday. But we're always, always busy and seeing a lot of per, uh, people there. So uh, what we do uh, when a church contacts me, one of the first questions I kind of ask them, do they have a safety team? And if they have a safety team, then what's the experience? I mean, how long have they been around? And what type of training have they had before? A lot of times uh, they, they will, will go out and do their research and they will be reading and you'll hear them say like the words that, you know, you can tell who they've been reading and, and, and what organization they've been getting their information from. And so if they have, if they actually have a safety team, then we go in and we, we teach them what we call situational awareness. And then something that we, we picked up from the Marine Corps, which is called combat profiling, but we've changed it to threat profiling. And we teach them how to look for people as they walk into their church. And what we try to explain to them right off the bat is that we have three types of people that come into the church. We have those that come into worship that are members or, or seeking a church or looking for a church, but they've come into worship. You have those that are coming in broken, that they're seeking Christ or seeking an answer like I was when I went in. And, you know, we want to make sure that we address that one. And then also we have those that are wolves in sheep clothing. Now, the members, we train the, we not only do we train the safety team, but we also train like the ushers and the greeters because they're really your first line of defense. You have to have them on board because if you don't, then somebody's going to slip through the cracks. And, and, and here's the other thing too. I have been to multiple churches where they have asked me to come out and do an assessment and then do training afterwards. And I, I have walked into these churches and not had one person talk to me. And when that happens, that to me is something that just upsets me for two different reasons. One, you missed an opportunity to talk to somebody that might be interested in your church or might be looking for Christ or, or might need some guidance, and might need somebody to talk to. And when you don't talk to that person, that truly does not fit the profile or the, uh, you know, what, what is going on in your church, then that's a missed opportunity. And, I, and I'm proud to say that at our church, uh, we, we make sure that we contact. We, you have three touches. If you're a visitor of our church, three different people are going to touch you before you get in. Now, that helps us in multiple ways. If you're looking for something, we get you pointed in the right direction. If you're coming in and you're suspicious, then that allows us to kind of key on it. And this is what we get into the training, what we're looking for when we start to, you know, start to key in a person that may be a possible threat. Not everybody walking in is going to be that threat. But we always want to make sure that we get the person going in the right direction that they need to be going. So after the church contacts us and we kind of have, you know, a conversation, we find out what the size of the church is. Because it doesn't, like I said, it doesn't matter whether it's large or small. One of the last shootings that just happened here in Tennessee was a small church. And we need to make sure that every church is protected. And then what we do is we find out the experience. And so once we find out that, we come in and we do assessment of the church. We look at the church. We point out things that we think are weaknesses and strengths, and then we sit down and we do a two-hour presentation of where we go through the training, whatever they may be needed. They may not have a safety team, so for the first hour, we will go through what we call you know, getting ready for a safety team, what you should be looking for, who you should pick, um, you know, the different, the different aspects of a safety team member, and then the second hour, we'll go into a threat profiling to where you, you start to have tools that you can use to look at people and notice who they are, whether they're a threat, whether they're hurting, you know, whether it's a member that's having a bad day, you, you start to notice these things also. So this always, this tunes you up to be in tune when somebody walks through your door. 
And it's just one of the things that we feel is very important. We want to expand the kingdom of God. And so in order to do that, we don't want to have safety first. We want to have, we want to have the kingdom of God first and then safety as the back. Give us an example of, for, for, for example, like the church in Charleston. How does that happen? Well, um, what, what we, what, when we come in and start to teach, we talk about a baseline. What is the baseline of your church? Uh, what, to give you an example, one of the churches I went to over in um, Lakeland, uh, I went in on a Sunday, and I normally wear cargo pants and what I, I call, uh, they're, they're called 511 shirts or tactical shirts. It's, it, it's a police-looking shirt. I mean, it, it, it kind of stands out. And when, when I walked in the door, first thing right off the bat, the guy invited me to the balcony, which I just think is the worst thing you, you can do. You know, now I'm sitting on top of everybody. And he didn't know me from any Adam. And he had not, you know, I just walked in the door and he says, oh, welcome. He says, there's seats in the balcony if you want to go sit. He didn't ask me where I was coming from. These are things that we tell people. Start talking to them. So this was like a surveillance thing that you were doing? I was doing a strength and weakness for them. And, and so when I walked in and walked in the way that I was dressed, the first thing I noticed right off the bat that I was in an anomaly because everybody inside wore dress slacks, a dress shirt. There were a lot of coats. So you, so you did and stick tie. out. I stood out. I stood out. And and my daughter who went with me, who's 16 years old, she wore a pair of jeans and just you know a nice shirt, and and she was she she stood out because all the girls had dresses on. Hmm. I didn't see a you know like a dress lack and stuff. So we walked in and we sat down, and uh, I advised the person who had contacted me and asked me to come in. I advised him that I was there, and he said I saw you because he was really looking for me. Right. But I told him not to do anything and let me kind of look around. Uh, they did a call. Uh, to where they were asking people to come down if they wanted to accept Christ. And I walked down and sat right on the front row, and not one person talked to me. Because wow. people, were, most of the people were like going up to the pastor. And so these are the type of things that we're looking for, you know, when we walk in. What is your baseline? How do you have it set up? And then to start to look for the anomalies. And uh, uh, so when we get there, then we, then we kind of like point these things out to the churches, and it's an eye-opener for them. It's a big eye-opener for them. Because I, this church that I'm talking to, I got right up close to the pastor before really anybody even talked to me. And you were sharing with me how, in some cases, you'll ask them, how many weapons do you think I have on me? I, I, when I go into churches, a lot of times I do presentations. When I went into this church, I went in fully loaded. I, and then when I say fully loaded, uh, none, of them were, uh, none of them had ammunition in it. I go in with all these different weapons that I have on me. And uh, I, I will meet with them. Uh, we broke bread that day. We had lunch. I set up. I was there with them for over four hours. And when I finally did my presentation, I said, you, you have to get out of the mindset. And this is going back to your Char- Charleston question. This guy walked in and was an anomaly. Let's go back to that. He walked in and was an anomaly. He, he went into a predominantly black church on a, uh, on a, on a, a night, weeknight, not normal. He didn't come to the church service. And right off the bat, somebody should have been really talking to him, seriously asking him questions. How did you hear about us? What brought you here? You know, we have people show up on our Monday night men's group, and I'll ask them, I'll say right off the bat, how did you hear about us? Because if they can't give me an answer, they just showed up on campus and walked in the door, it's a little strange to me. You know, they're, they're, there's a reason why they're here. So when we talk to them, they didn't do that. How did you hear about us? You know, what brought you here? Because those would have been the questions. And then the second thing, I would have put two very strong people sitting next to him, because it is a concernment when people like that walk in the door. 
So back to the other question. Here you are in this presentation, and you told them, how many weapons do you think I have on me? I asked them how many guns. I I asked them how many weapons I have on me, and I have nine firearms on me, and I have two knives and what they call a spike. So, you know, when you, and you're standing right there in front of them and they just, they, they will say two or three, maybe four, you know, they figure you got a leg holster and stuff like this. And then when I start pulling out these guns, they're just, they're, they're just, they can't believe it. So a place like Charleston, they were just wide open. They were wide open. And, th- and this is what we got to really teach people to be aware of. And this, this is what you do for This folks. is what we do. And it's amazing to me how in some ways it's, it's very simple but in other ways, it really needs to be a taught thing. Jim, I heard some great testimonies at that uh, uh, event that you had Saturday. And the one that really captured my uh, uh, my heart, really, because at first it's really a scary thing. But then the testimony that came out of that just lit me up. Why don't you share some of that story with us? Well, we, we had an opportunity. Um, we studied everything that goes on in, in churches as far as church safety. And, and I had read an article about a pastor in Kissimmee back in 2014 that had went to terminate an employee and the employee had shot at him. And there, there wasn't a lot to it except that he had just shot at him and that the pastor was okay. <laughs> That's enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's kind of one of these things where you, you want to know more. So when we started to put together our conference, one of the, one of the, the speakers I really wanted was to get Terry Howe. That's his name, Terry Howe. And he's over at uh, Living Water Fellowship Church over in Kissimmee. And I reached out to him and was able to get a hold of him. And he told me uh, the story when I talked to him on the phone. And he said he was more than excited about coming over and talking to, uh, and, and telling his testimony. But when he got over to the church, it, it was even more. Uh, I couldn't even, you know, I, I was standing there dumbfounded as I was listening to it. And to, I won't get it, give it the total credit that he did, but he talked about how he was going to to terminate an employee that was stealing from the church. And they had caught him on video doing that and that his wife had a bad feeling about it because he was kind of a hothead and she really wanted him to call the police. And he said, you know what? He says he has a concealed carry. And he says, I'll just take my gun with me today. Well, he went into the room and his daughter, who also worked for the church uh, doing their HR and another person that was there, uh, when the employee came in, uh, Terry started talking to him and Kind of halfway through the conversation, the guy stood up. Terry was, they were, uh, deaths divided them. And the guy stood up and said, you're about to fire me. And Terry said, we're going to let you go. And before Terry could really get out, let you go, the guy had pulled a gun and at point blank range uh, uh, shot at Terry. And Terry said that, you know, didn't feel any pain, thought that this is just the way, you know. I mean, I mean the guy's like as close as I am yeah, to you. Yeah. He's right on and yeah. he missed. Missed him. And, 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 he, and he was like, this must be how it is because I don't even feel any pain. I've never been shot before. So, you know, but he said he noticed that he wasn't bleeding. And so he also noticed that his daughter now was in the fray because she had jumped up and grabbed uh, this person's arm and another shot off, went, uh, another round went off. And so Terry realized, hey, I'm not hurt. I got to get in the fight. So he jumps around the desk and grabs and, all this guy. And there's kids in the building. And there's kids in the building. They had a, a daycare center downstairs and. Uh, Terry pulled his uh, concealed weapon and fired at the guy and hit the guy. He didn't know he had it first, but his main concern was that this guy took off running. The bad guy takes off running, and and there's children down below. So Terry's running down below to protect the kids, and the guy had went out the door and had collapsed. Um, but, you know, to hear his testimony, because people had come to him and said he was a hero, and he said, I, I wasn't a hero, you know, because he had protected the kids, protected his family, and and everybody that was around. 
But he just said, I'm not a hero for what happened. You know, he said, all, all I was thinking about was just protecting people. And when you hear the how humble he was when he was telling the story, it, it was even more amazing because, you know, people, you know, people go, oh, you know, you, you did this and you did that. And he goes, look, he said, it was just, it, it just happened. And it was just an amazing story of what he went through and how some of the people in the church felt that he had done it on purpose. And, you know, that's just it's crazy stuff. Cra- yeah, bizarre to me how people could think that. You know, if if you're going to do something like that, why would you bring your daughter in? You know, put her in harm's way. I mean, I just I couldn't even. That was the first thing I thought of. And then uh, you know, he said that 95 percent of the church was supporting him, and and he stayed on. And but it was just an incredible, incredible story. I just you know, and and he and he, he's um, he's getting his doctorate degree, I believe. Is he a doctor of master's degree? But his his thesis is on forgiveness. Yeah, and that's that's the part that blew me away. And, and that, I mean that that to me was such the classic example exactly. of teaching on forgiveness yep. because this guy was he was done. Right. He was going to go to jail for a long, right. long. How long would he have gone? Uh, he probably they they were talking about maybe life that he life. could get for this because you know? it was premeditated. Yes. Yep. He was right there. There yep. were other people involved. There were kids in the place. It sure. Was, and he fired more than one round. Right. He, he tried to kill him. Yeah. He oh he did. Yeah. And he defended himself. Shot him twice. But right. by the grace of God, that guy lived. Lived. Right. And then they're going to put him away for a long time. And he actually went before the judge and said, "Enough is enough." Yeah. I don't want him to go away for life. You know, and and the judge even said while he was sentencing him that the only reason that he wasn't was because of what Terry had said. So, you know, the the story itself is amazing. And then you get to the forgiveness part and you're going, wow, you know, how could, you know, like I said, you know, I I, having two daughters think just to think that a guy would pull a gun and probably was going to kill them, too. If this, you know, if it had went the wrong way and he, he forgave him. And so, like I said, incredible testimony, powerful testimony. Well, we, we should hope they don't get that far. Right. And, and this right. guy, I mean, he had us all spellbound. Yes. And, and it was only the third time he'd ever told the story. Right. I, and I, went, I told him later, I said, it took a lot of courage to do what you did. It, it did. And uh, it did. The, the fact that he was able to, to live through it, it's a miracle. Right. And that's exactly how God takes our sta- circumstances. Mm-hmm. That guy meant it for bad, but just like in Joseph's case, sure. God meant it for good. Sure. Something good came out of that, right? And he didn't kill the guy. I know. And 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 the guy is moving on, right? And, so, and, and by all accounts, other than that, that particular, the guy was a pretty decent guy. Yeah. He, yeah. he may, obviously made a very huge mistake, <laughs> right? So, Jim, it's just so important uh, to all of us, having watched what has happened here recently in the church sure. and things like this thing in Las Vegas, and there's a lot right. of nutso people out of there, right? Why don't you share a little bit, and maybe we can spend more in the last segment about what happened at, at the conference and where we're going from here. But uh, you were fortunate to have, a, and I didn't know this existed, but Homeland Security mm-hmm. has a separate division now mm-hmm. for faith-based organizations right. to help people like, right. like us. And they sent the guy down right. who wanted to interview and actually have you come up and brief them on what you're doing mm-hmm. down here, which is which is really cool. Why don't you share with the folks what what you found out from him about what their expectations is this year for violence in churches. Well, it, it, it is really a fallen world. And this is the thing that we continue to see every day that we we're reading in the papers, uh, vandalisms. I just can't tell you how, how it scares me, how the vandalisms are, have just increased. And when you think about it, that's just the first step of somebody, of somebody coming into your church and doing something e- even more, you know, egregious. But, 
Um, what had happened, we reached out to the Department of Homeland Security, and this is God working upstream through meeting a person, and meeting a person at a presentation, talks to another person looking for church safety training, and then they ask us what they can do to help us, and they get us in touch with the Department of Homeland Security. So we were excited about getting somebody to come out, but they contacted us and tell us that they have Reverend Jamie Johnson, who is the director for the Center for Faith-Based and Neighborhood Partnership with the Department of Homeland Security. And what this is, is they're trying desperately to get people to start working with law enforcement again from the churches. And this is one of the things that we preach also. When we come in, we say, listen, one of the first things you need to do is when you do your safety training, you should have your law enforcement here, at least just to walk through the building so that they know what the building looks like. But their initiative is to come in and help us in any way possible that they can. So it was, I mean, just him coming down and he spent several days with us and, and with some pastors, but he kind of warned us. He said, listen, they're starting to worry about this, that they're worrying, worrying that there may be a mass shooting at least once a month. Now, we haven't seen it, but I am seeing. We just had a shooting in Antioch. We had one in, in Tennessee. We had one in South Carolina just over the last month. And these are small, and people don't open up the paper and read about them, but they are happening. So because of that, we have to do our diligence, our due diligence, and protect our churches. And I just wanted to say, our church does have a motto. Our church does, does have one. And it is our ministry is your church's safety. So that was one of the first things I wanted to get out there is mm. because it, we do it for God, for the expand, expansion of his kingdom. Give me your contact info again. Contact info is trinitysecurityallies.com. Like us on Facebook, Trinity Security Allies. And the telephone number is 727-267-0590. Jim, I can't tell you how excited I am to just not only just know you and be uh, in a group together with you, but to watch what you do. You do a terrific job. When we come back, perhaps you could share a few more uh, testimonies about some of the churches you're working with now Mm -hmm. and what's happening there. And I'm here with Jim Howard. Uh, We got a a lot to cover in the last... uh, 10 minutes we have here together so but before i do anything i want to compliment you on the fact that you've got one wonderful beautiful wife oh, thank you she is she is so committed to what you mm-hmm. guys are doing and uh just did a terrific job because that's not an easy task to do with what she does and she's good at it i right. want you to know so you've god created the perfect partner for you yeah, didn't he? he he did and i i owe it all to her because she was the one that really set me down one day and i mean after I'd come back from North Carolina, like I said, and said, what are you going to do here? And um, when I said, well, this is what I want to do, and she didn't hesitate. She said, okay, we have to take that. She says, we got to do this. She says, we got to take this leap of faith. We just got to trust that it's all going to work out. And, um, you know, like I said, I I was floored. And then she looked at me because I had an old car, and she said, you need to get a new car. And I was kind of like looking around to see if I was being punked, you know, because I just (laughs) couldn't believe she'd said that. But she was serious, and, and trust me, it's an Elantra. It's a dependable car. It gets me where I'm going. It's no fancy car. But, but, uh, but Jim, I have to admit, when I, when I first met you at that little meeting I did for CBMC sure. up there in Pasco County, and uh, you, you were telling me this whole thing, and, I'm, and the business part of me is like coming out of my pores. I'm like, yeah. how is this poor guy going to make it? I mean, he's yeah. got this great idea, and he's, got, he's on track. Man, this is so important. And he's self-funding the deal. Yeah. And uh, we've had some talks about that, sure. and, and you're certainly making some progress. But why don't you share a little bit with the, the fact that you actually do this. Now, get this right. Next to 
my favorite four-letter word is love. My next mm-hmm. favorite four-letter word is free. Right. You actually do this right. for free. Right. And then it goes takes a life of its own. Sure. And thank God that people are givers and mm-hmm. that they, you know, they do offerings for you, mm-hmm. et cetera. And you do have a board and you do have mm-hmm. some sponsors. But that's kind of the next step for you is getting some sponsorships here. Why don't you share a little bit about where you see your organization going. Obviously, the need is there. I mean, mm-hmm. the key to any sale is you got to have a prospect who's got a need. There's a whole bunch of prospects out there mm-hmm. that have a need. And they also have to have the, the ability to pay. Right. They've got the money. And if you were ever going to set money aside mm-hmm. for something in your church, wouldn't it be to protect your flock? Well, you, you would think so. Uh, we put so much emphasis on the creative arts, and there's nothing against that. I mean, that's what draw uh, worship is very important, and, and, and we have to include that. And we're not talking that, uh, as you said, we do go in for free. You know, I, I don't want money to ever be in the way of me walking into a church. I don't care how large or small it is. Now, what we do ask for, and, and I think it's only fair, we ask for a love offering. And that love offering pays it forward. It, it pays for our expense of coming out that day. But, but it can be a small, I, we've had it as small as a $50 gift card to, you know, a, a, nice, a nice one. I won't say how much it was. It, it, it blew Wendy and I away. But it was a small church, and it just, I mean, we were taken back by how much they gave that day. And so, um, you know, we, we do other things. We have uh, this this conference was a fundraiser in, in the back. I mean, we funded the whole fundraiser. It, it, it We had a couple of sponsors. Um, uh, Harding Barrett and Costco uh, came out and helped. And and um, we, a couple of our board members chipped in some money so that we could buy tables so that we had people right. that couldn't afford it again. Here we go again. Couldn't afford the entrance fee. Could, you know, uh, we had scholarships that we gave away. We wanted to make sure that we included everybody. And, um, you know, this, this was really to cover also the lunch and the, uh, uh, and the breakfast that we served. And so, you know, it wasn't like I hear of other fundraisers and I'm kind of like, wow, you made that much money? We could, you know, we wouldn't have to do any more. But... God provides. He always has provided. Uh, uh, the next thing that we have coming up is we have a turkey shoot that's going to be in November. It's November the 18th. Um, you can go on our website, trainingsecurityallies.com, find out more information about it. We have a great time. It's just a lot of fun and fellowship. Uh, we have a winner every hour, so you can try over and over. And what we do is just run out of target 25 yards, shoot at a turkey uh, target uh, with a 22. And the best score for that hour uh, wins a $25 gift certificate from Publix. And uh, then the other thing that we do, uh, it, talking about Wendy, Wendy's passion is school choice, uh, to get the money on the back of the children and to uh, let the parents decide where they want to send their kids to school. And this is just this is just a whole other topic for another day. But in January, on January 27th, uh, 2018, this year, we have a thing called Celebrate Youth. And I'm just going to say something for her real quick. Last year when she put this on, this was the first time that it had ever been done in the Pasco area. And she went out and got some sponsors, and it was the first, first time they did this, Celebrate Youth, and they got schools in to talk about uh, scholarships and different things like that, and it was a huge success. And so um, this year uh, she got additional funding from the school choice group because of such a success it was last year. So I'm really proud of her for pulling that off. And I'm proud of her for pulling off, uh, you know, the, this church safety conference. It, it was a lot of work, and and it was a lot of blood, sweat, and praying, because uh, you know, three weeks ago, as of this time, we had like five people that had signed up for it, and we were like, "What's going to happen?" 
But we had over 150. We think we had over 150. We haven't totaled it all up yet. And we had 40 churches there. So that was wow. huge for us. That was huge. And, and like I said, we come to you for free. I, I, don't, I don't know how much, you know, one of the first things churches ask, we're only an 80-member church. I don't care. But I, you said something. If I'm doing it for one person, I'm doing it for God. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole thing. And I always go right before I get ready. I don't care what the size is. I walk into a quiet place. I pray to God that this is my best you know, session ever with these people, that, that I give everything that I have for them right now because it's all for him. It's not for me. Well, I learned a long time ago, you preach and teach to one as if they were a thousand. Mm-hmm. And Jesus did the same thing. Mm-hmm. And if we could just get anywhere near duplicating what he did, this world would be changed. Sure. Yeah. So take a church like Idlewild. And okay. I know they don't mind us saying this because Ken Smith was there. Right. Did, did a terrific sure. job. What a great guy. Sure. I mean, what a talented guy. How much time did you spend with a church like Idlewild getting them squared away? Well, now, I, Idlewild had their own, and Ken Smith had put theirs together. What was unique about Idlewild, and this, this is one of the things that we also talk about, is networking with other churches. Because wolves will go from one church to the next to the next. They will walk in to check you out. If they see that you're together, that you have a safety team, and you're, you're observant, then they'll go to another church. We had a pedophile that we caught in our church, and we talked to him and told him we probably weren't the church for him. And the next thing you know, he went to another church and started up his, his, you know, his stuff again. But with Ken Smith in Ottawa, it, we wanted to network, wanted to network, because they're one of the biggest churches. You know, they were really one of the biggest churches. And it was one of these things that they came to one of our training sessions. We do training once every three months at our church. We invite everybody to come in. We've had over 100 at times to come into our training. And we invited people to come in. It's always something different, always something new. And Ken Smith and his group came over. And when we walked around, when we wa- I showed them my, how we did stuff. When we walked around, they, uh, I heard them say, wow, we don't do this. And so the next thing you know, they asked me to come out and, and do an assessment on their church. And while walking through their church, I saw something that was a concern to me. And I said something to Ken. And Ken goes, oh, man, we don't do that. And I said, I, I see this as a weakness, you know. But they, they, they're on top of it also. They really have a good group and a good crew. So, you know, when we go into churches, a lot of times churches have stuff, but when we take a look at it, you know, because of my law enforcement experience, it's, you know, I have the experience, and I've been studying this now for oh, since 2007. I really started studying this and have been, you know, I, I'm a student. I read anything that comes across my way, and I learn from it. There's so many incredible people out here that will share with you. You know, I'll just, I'll just, I'll mention one name right now, and I'm hoping he's listening, and his name is Carl Chen. And he, he does statistics on church shootings, and he, he does a, a, a blog called uh, a What If. And, and, uh, and, and, or think about it, and, and he's fantastic. And he reached, I reached out to him, and he posted it to all of his followers that we were having this conference. So we've networked. We learn from each other. I mean, that's so important. And these churches, uh, just uh, we have to get them in and start protecting the flock. Well, I am so impressed that it, it, it's not the size of the church that matters. It does not it, matter. It, it's it's the people there. It's the people. Yes. Because you mentioned some of these smaller churches, they, they have they might have eight different entryways to their their sure. little church, sure. and they're wide open. Right. So there's there's no way to to be able to get your eyes on all the no. people that are even coming into those churches. I mean, simple things like that. And that was one of the things that Charlotte. The shooter went through a side door, 
You know, they talk about that. So he was inside the church before really anybody even knew he was there. So, you know, yes, we walk in and we point those things out. We walk through. Children's safety. I go into churches all the time, and they don't have any locks on the door, so they could do a lockdown. You know, Jim, my concern, one of my concerns would be that I know myself, I'm not even interested in going into big crowds anymore. Right. I, True. The last thing I want to do is go to some concert. And sure. And stuck around. A whole yeah. bunch of folks can't get away. I'm concerned that people will start saying, I'm afraid to go to church. Yeah. Well, and, 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 and listen, there have been good. countries. there have been countries that have talked about calling off Easter because oh, of the events that are going on. Wow. Even in the United States, we had a state trying to remember the state but they were going to call off christmas because of a lunatic that was running well, around if these guys know we're prepared i don't think they'll show up they won't and praise won't. god for that so jim yep. you've just been a terrific thank you a terrific guy to have on this show and your subject is so important and we just we just love you for what you do thank you appreciate you and by all means give your give your phone number one more time 727-267-0590 and it's trinitysecurityallies.com or trinitysecurityallies on facebook thank you jim god bless you and thank you all for listening today